I've done a lot to realize that the simple things in life, like a 10 minute walk can do more for your sanity than any drug or supplement or exercise can ever do. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella and today's guest is Evan Brand. He's a nutritional therapist and personal trainer who specializes in whole foods nutrition, digestive health, cognitive enhancement, and stress management, just to name a few. He's the creator of Not Just Paleo and the podcast of the same name. Hey Evan, welcome to On Air with Ella. Hello, Ella. Thank you for having me. It's uh, going to be a fun one, I think. Yeah, I'm charged up for this. And as I may have warned you, slightly over-caffeinated. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> Evan, you are the creator of Not Just Paleo. Some folks might hear that and say, that's great. I don't know what paleo means. Sure. It's a trendy buzzword that makes a lot of money for companies that like to make bars and drinks and cookies that don't have gluten in them. Um, but what I like to use the name for is a diet. We all have diets. Men, you have a diet too. You eat food. That is your diet. There is a certain diet that is high in antioxidants and low in inflammatory foods. And that just so happens to have a name that sort of fits it. And that's called paleo. And the idea is just to remove all the food toxins and chemicals as much as possible by simply eating animals that were able to roam on open pasture, organic and pasture raised animals like your grandparents ate, and a lot of organic vegetables. So whether you're eating steamed broccoli or I even prefer to add in some other foods like organic white rice or spinach, you can eat tons of blueberries, whatever, but it's just real food and focusing on basically one ingredient foods whenever possible. Ah, the eat real food diet. Correct. Okay, and so the term paleo I know comes from paleolithic, not always easy to say, but I can spell it just for the record. And I know that it's based on ancestral eating. And the way I like to simplify it for people is to say, you know, if your great grandparents never heard of it, it's probably not food. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And just if something is primarily manufactured in general, manufactured by humans and not by nature or God or whatever you want to call it, then that's probably a sign that you should stay away from it. Well, Evan, so you're not just paleo. So what does that mean? Well, a lot of people were putting emphasis onto paleo as if it's some miracle cure. I mean, there's probably thousands of books at this point on paleo and everyone's just trying to repackage and rebrand to keep making money off the same idea. And I thought that was a little bit ridiculous and frustrating. So and I would get bored, honestly. I'd get bored with just focusing on that all the time. So I wanted the excuse to be able to talk about other cool stuff. So I called it not just paleo. That just means that diet, that's like 10% of my life. I mean, the other 90% is me going outside and just enjoying myself, you know? So that's sort of why I call it not just paleo. I have so many other topics on my show that relate to what's going on in the world, whether it's plastic pollution in the ocean or the benefits of spending time in the forest, you know, things like that. So uh, that's sort of the idea behind the not just part. I love it. So it's not just food. Right. All right. How did you get here? Tell me a little bit about your background. What led you to this place? 
Yeah, I would say it was just struggling with my own health. I think the best teachers are the ones who struggle themselves. And for me, uh, just college was sort of the starting point. Like many people, as soon as you enter the real world and you start becoming an adult, you are faced with new stressors. And those new stressors took a toll on my health because I didn't have the raw materials, aka good foods necessary to keep me fueled up. So my energy levels began to plummet. My goal of building muscle was hitting a stopping point and my moods were just pretty poor. I felt like a little depressed whiny boy and I didn't like feeling that way. And so I just started asking guys around the gym about food and got some of the bro science, like eat <laughs> tons of complex carbohydrates and you know, shove brown rice down your face at every single meal, uh, which may be okay for some people, but not the majority. And Got a little bit of results and eventually just head headed toward the internet like everybody else and found found the answer myself, basically. Well, I love that you're coming at it from this perspective because a lot of people tune in to shows like this because they're trying to lose weight. And I don't want to ignore the perspective of those people who are actually trying to gain weight. And this is tends to be, this is a generalization, but tends to be more guys than, than gals. And they want to gain weight and build muscle. And you, you referred to the bro science of doing so. Dive into that just a little bit. What, what did you understand to be healthy when you're in your early 20s and trying to bulk up. Yeah, I thought the idea was just to eat as much food as possible. Calories were calories. That's all that mattered. I mean, I'd go to Wendy's and get five five-piece nuggets. So 25 nuggets and a baked potato with butter, maybe even a frosty. I mean, <laughs> oh God, those chocolate frosties, man. They'll, they'll get you. They're and like their I, own food group. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But anyway, so that's kind of what I was doing, just eating as much food as possible. I played around with some of the weight gaining powders protein shakes. And then of course my real meals at home, I would eat, you know, 99% fat-free chicken breast with maybe some green beans and some pasta roni or something like that. So, I mean, I had one piece of the puzzle, right, to eat some vegetables, but I mean, the whole fat-free thing just, it destroyed my health. And uh, definitely for the clients that I help now one-on-one, -on -one, getting rid of the, the low-fat dogma is, is still a struggle even in 2015. Yeah, I hear you. And the, and people are going to get tired of hearing me say this, but I just wish they would name dietary fat, the the good and healthy fat that you get from food. I wish they'd name it something else because too many people still associate that with the fat that you can pinch off your body. Yeah. And I, and I've, I eat, I personally, and, and a lot of my female clients, especially I'm talking, you know, 38 to 45 year old women are probably my, my main target group. I have some of these women and myself eating more fat than I have and, and more fat than they have in their entire life. And they're the leanest and the healthiest and most, you know, full of vitality that they've ever been. I mean, so it's just, it's great to see that in real life. Well, you shared with us what your diet used to look like back when, you know, everyone thinks you can get away with anything when you're in your twenties, but the truth is you're setting yourself up in your early twenties for a lifetime of habits that you either break or suffer from in my humble opinion. But you walked us through your rice-a-roni days and painted a pretty good picture <laughs> about what that looked like. What is a, what is a good Good, solid day look like for you now just to give people a comparison yes yeah, so actually I just ate lunch a little bit before we jumped on this call and I had some ground bison so I cooked some bison uh, I had some organic broccoli that was left over from last night I just throw that in a pan and just reheat it you can microwave it but it does kill some of the nutrients there so I try to stay away from the microwave 
Uh, so basically I had probably four to six ounces of ground bison, probably a good cup of some organic broccoli that was steamed last night. And then I had some guacamole and I did some organic blue corn chips. There's a couple good brands of uh, organic blue corn out there that don't use canola oil, which is an inflammatory oil you want to stay away from. So, uh, so that was my lunch and then just some spring water and that was it. All right. That sounds better than Wendy's. Yeah, much better. And I feel good too. I mean, people should feel good after they eat. You shouldn't feel like you just got hit with a truck and now you just need to sit down and recover. You should feel ready to go after a meal. I don't think people make that connection too much. And this is not going to be an episode all around food, but I do want to jump into this for just a minute. Evan, people, what you just said is important. And we forget that food is actually meant to make us feel good and give us the energy that we need. In fact, it sound it sounds trite me just saying that to you. Can you can you share your perspective on that with everybody? Yeah, I mean, you are designed to put optimal fuel in your body and you can run a car on the in United States at least the 87 octane, the lowest quality cheapest fuel and your car is going to run okay. But if you have the money, even if your car doesn't require it, you should probably be putting in at least the mid-grade or even the premium fuel into your car. It's going to run better. You're going to get better gas mileage, better longevity out of your engine. And that's the same uh, analogy that we can use to a human. You can get by by eating garbage or you can spend a few extra dollars more. It may seem more expensive now, but you know, a cancer diagnosis and the treatments there, hundreds of thousands of dollars down the, at the end of the other, you know, the end of the tunnel. Uh, so those couple dollars now to get the high quality fuel going for the organic vegetables and produce, all the nutrients are going to be higher. I mean, it's just a, it's a mathematical benefit to do the right thing. I hope that made sense. That was kind of a, a weird analogy, but I think it worked out. Let me tell you why I love that analogy. I think people are more willing and more often put higher quality fuel in their car than they do in their own body. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen Mercedes SUVs, the $60,000, $70,000. I actually put one up, a picture up on my Instagram, I think it was, where uh, a lady had a you know, $70,000, $80,000 SUV and she's in the McDonald's drive through and I just posted up and I'm like, I think there's a disconnect on what matters here. And I have a 1992 Honda Accord. I love it. I mean, this thing's kind of slammed to the ground. I have rims on it and I have good sounds, good sound system just cause I'm kind of still a kid in that aspect, but I'm going to keep driving that car until it doesn't drive anymore. And I'm going to spend the money on my food instead of a car payment. You know, I mean, it's a little bit of a mindset shift, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'd rather have good quality food than look cool when I pull up to the grocery. Well, and let's talk about something that you mentioned that I know that you know a lot about, and that is actually the food mood connection, because I don't think that we are totally aware, Evan, of how much what we eat affects our actual mood, like our disposition, how we how we relate to people in our lives, how we act when we're at work. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, a great point and an angle that most people don't ask about. So your blood sugar, a lot of people may not even think about blood sugar unless you have type 2 diabetes diagnosis and now you're going to be focusing on your blood sugar. But that is one of the huge pillars that I focus on. And essentially your body is sort of going through a small roller coaster throughout the day. Your hormones are naturally going to drop a little bit and raise 
sort of this nice, gentle up and down slope. But the majority of people go straight up and straight down with their blood sugar. And what that means is you get a craving, you get fatigued, you seek out a bagel and coffee, which both cause a huge spike in your blood sugar. Your blood sugar goes straight up. You feel okay for an hour, an hour and a half. Your blood sugar then drops because that much sugar in the bloodstream is an emergency situation, so your body treats it as such, and now it drops it too low, so now you're even more fatigued, and now you're opening up your desk drawer and, and pulling out a Snickers to get you back up again, and it's just this very vicious cycle, and eventually that can cause a huge cascade of other effects where you're having brain fog, you're messing up your sex hormones because you're just causing too much stress to the body, and it doesn't, sex hormones become sort of a leisure object, to the body, survival is more important. So uh, it's not it's not uh, a coincidence at all that if you're eating poorly, you're going to feel poorly and perform poorly, both mentally, physically, sexually. I mean, whatever angle you want to hit on, it's going to be affected. Well, let's talk about that even seasonally because right now as we're recording this, not necessarily when everybody's listening to it, but as we're recording this, it is winter where I am. How about you, Evan? Yeah, it's winter here in Austin. Uh, actually, it's blue skies and sunny, probably mid-60s, so I can't complain too much right now for this, the quote-unquote winter here. It's much better than Kentucky, where I'm from. I think they're in like 10, 12 inches of snow right now. So Yeah, I have no empathy for you whatsoever in that case. We, <laughs> <laughs> but we live in East Coast U.S., and there is approximately one-eighth of a millimeter of snow on the ground, so naturally all of the schools are closed and all the grocery stores are empty of bread and milk. Yeah, it makes no sense. Why? Why Bread is not even that sustaining. I do not understand that. People always post pictures of the bread aisle. It's like I would be going for the beef, the butter, the veggies, the coconut oil, like the real stuff that's actually going to keep you alive during that time. Bread, oh my God. I would eat it, I guess, if I had to, but that's it. I know, right? So wherever you may be, and I don't know about you, Evan, but I, you know, in the summer I'm outside, I train for triathlon, so I'm swimming, I'm biking, I'm running. I'm generally doing anything I can possibly do to be outside in between my other responsibilities. In the winter, man, it is hard. I don't care what the temperature is. The days are shorter. It's just harder to make it work and to stay balanced. And that's a real struggle for a lot of people. And I know that it is a struggle for me. How do you tell people, like, what are some strategies that you have that you can share with folks for beating the winter blahs, if you will? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I struggle with seasonal depression my whole life. And a lot of the reason is just because people are not getting exposure to bright light and how you can sort of manage that even if you're going to be working in an office maybe where you don't have window access you still have the opportunity in the mornings whether you have to jump on the bus the subway the car whatever you have the ability to get that natural sunlight and you have to do that to regulate your circadian rhythm it's very important there's a measurement of light that i won't get too deep here but there's a measurement of light called lux this is just how you measure brightness and the average office light puts out about 500 lux. Uh, to compare that to a cloudy day, that's about 10,000 lux. Compared to a sunny day, you're talking 100,000 lux. And this is what your body and your brain are programmed to receive. So if you jump in the car 
and you're, you throw on the sunglasses immediately and you just run right into the office, your brain has never got the, the chance or the opportunity to make real energy. So you're going to be much more likely to depend on caffeine and coffee. So how do you, how do you do it? Well, you can just go out and look up towards the sky. You don't have to look up directly into the sun. Don't blind yourself, okay? Um, but you can just look up at the sky and allow yourself at least 15 seconds for the light to hit your eyes. Or you can do what I do and use a light therapy box. This is just a box you plug in and you sit it on your desk or your counter in your bathroom while you're getting ready and doing your makeup in the morning and you turn it on and it's extremely bright, 10,000 lux to be exact, so it matches the brightness of a cloudy day and it shines in your face and resets your energy levels. I mean, it's incredible. So can you, you can you give me that and I'll share that with the with the listeners in the show notes? Sure. Yeah. The brand, uh, if you want to, if you want people to look up or, or access it, it's called Nature Bright is the one that I use. And if you just type in Nature Bright light box, you'll find it. Uh, it's lasted me several years and it's definitely one of the most effective tools for seasonal affective disorder. Um, but also just making sure that you're removing the sugar from your diet because sugar is sort of a double-edged sword where it's going to create the same pleasure sensors that you may receive from exercise. So you're mentioning how hard it is to get out and exercise. Oh, I'll just go for sugar. I get some of the kind of the same high. Well, you're kind of shortchanging your results. And then when spring comes around, you're like, oh my God, it's spring's already here. It's, it's too late, you know, for me to get fit. But winter time is the time to, I don't know if you want to call it crush it. I'm kind of against that term, but winter is the time because spring's going to be here before you know it. And you want to be looking your best if that's your goal. Yeah. I just saw, you know, the wisdom of the internets. I just saw a quote yesterday, summer bodies are made in the winter. And I was like, ah. Yeah, I, I'm the leanest. I'm actually the leanest in the winter. I mean, I'm still pretty lean in the summer, but I mean, I'm almost probably too low body fat right now. I stay pretty ripped in the winter just because I try to eat seasonally, which just means that I'm eating much lower. I'm eating much lower carb. There's not going to be some of the foods that you would get in the winter as in the summer. You're not going to get some of the rices and stuff like that. So I'm basically eating some good quality meats and some good quality vegetables and, and that's it. And, and I stay lean, probably too lean. I have to like wear a coat inside sometimes if it's, you know, 60 degrees, I'm cold. Cause I don't have any, I don't have any hibernation, uh, fat on me. Well, and this is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. And this is TMI for sure. Um, and I wasn't planning on going here, but the truth is I'm killing it right now because I go, I'm when I'm not doing triathlon training, I'm a fair weather triathlete. Let's be honest about this. Um, and so in the winter, I actually hit it pretty hard at the gym only for 20 to 30 minutes, by the way. And so I'm, I'm kind of killing it right now. I'm pretty happy, but I go up and down in the winter, sort of mentally, even I'll say emotionally and therefore physically. Does that make sense? So I'm uneven yeah. in the winter. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, even myself, I mean, if there's, which I'm a lot more spoiled here, but I mean, if there's three or four days in a row where it's cloudy, I mean, I can't decide whether I should like cry or whether I should take a sledgehammer and take down the walls of my house, you know? Well, let's talk tips because th this show is now about me. <laughs> what do you tell people? Because I know I'm not the only one. You just told me I'm not the only one. What do you tell people? Like, what are some things I can actually do to interrupt my pattern? Well, I'll, I'll give I'll give two. So I'll give one simple one and then I'll give one a little bit more hacky, I guess. <laughs> so I talked about blood sugar. You cannot skip meals. Don't do it. Do not skip meals. If you skip meals, you're going to go crazy. You have to eat. 
even though you may feel just generally lazy and like a general malaise in the winter, you have to eat. I recommend probably every four, no more than every five hours. You got to be eating a good quality meal, which looks like a good quality source of protein. If you're going to do chicken, make sure you add some fat like avocado or some grass fed butter or something like that. But you have to keep that blood sugar stable because if it's not stable, you're not going to be stable and your mood's going to be crazy and you're going to kill somebody if you don't eat in the next 30 minutes. I know you've had that experience. So that's the simple one. Just don't skip meals. And then I guess the second little hack would be just to not procrastinate. Now, this is sort of a mindset thing. It's so easy for me, and I've done a lot of work on this here lately. It's so easy for me to jump up and immediately just get on the email and just get lost in my inbox and not be productive. So lately what I've done is just avoided the inbox for at least an hour or two. And I've been on this journey of writing a thousand words per day. Now, I don't know, you know, how many of you are writers out there, but there's got to be something that you're doing. Try to do what you do before you get back into the monotony of say email or catching up with social media, things like that. Because a lot of what happens is your brain is going to be hijacked by these uh, social media, you know, the fear of missing out syndrome, they call it FOMO syndrome. I mean, this is a real thing. It's ridiculous. And if you can avoid that and don't, don't play in and don't feed the social media addiction, I would go as far as to say to call it an addiction. Don't feed into that first, get what you need to do done and then go have your fun. And for me, I mean, even the past few days, I woke up this morning and I wrote like a 1200 page article for another website on going out in the forest and the benefits of, you know, the stress reduction there. But I did that first and then I checked email and I'm not perfect. I don't do this all the time, but I force myself to stay away from the things that are going to distract me and just make me sit in the house. And then it's one o'clock and you realize you've accomplished nothing or you get home from work and you're like, oh man, I just, I just don't want to do it. I really think that little technique can help you pull yourself out of that. I love that you said that. And I just, um, just interviewed Hal Elrod of the Miracle Morning. You know this guy? I've heard of him, but I'm not sure. I know he's about like getting up at 5 a.m. and I'm kind of anti, <laughs> I'm kind of anti that because your hormones, your cortisol levels actually don't peak until around 7 a.m. So in my opinion, which I'm going to try to jump on his show and talk to him about this, you're actually shortchanging your energy levels by getting up before 7. But he, he's got good ideas. He's got a good idea. Yeah, and what's interesting, because I have I have Sean Stevenson, who was on the show to talk about the importance of sleep. Then I have Hal Elrod, who's on the show to talk about how he gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning to change his life. But here's the deal, and here's what's paralleling with what you're saying. It is not about the time. It is about the routine and about committing yourself to a protocol in the morning. So I love what you said about building in and making use of the first part of that day and making that the rudder for the rest of your day. And I think that's the point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it, it's a snowball effect. Anything in life, whether it's your training that you're kind of on a roll right now or uh, trying to remove some foods from your diet. Everything is a snowball. And once that thing really gets rolling, man, it's it's pretty powerful. So you really just got to just make the first little snowball and uh, and go from there. Well, let's pick up on one of the other tips that you mentioned, which was getting actual sunlight and getting outdoor light. Let's talk about um, getting outdoors for just a moment. Because when you stop and think about how little time we actually spend outside, um, we spend so many of our hours 
inside our home, inside our car, inside of our office, I don't think people necessarily are thinking about why that even matters. Can you talk to us about that? Definitely. So I just, I told you I'm going to send it to you, but I just released my second book called Stress Solutions. And there's a whole part in there about what's called Shinrin Yoku. And this is translated to taking in the atmosphere of the forest. And Japanese researchers are doing a lot of studies right now to figure out what does the forest nature in general have to offer? Why is it good for us? I mean, we all know that we came from the natural world, but is it really that big of a deal that we're separated from it? Turns out, yes, it is. Um, so a couple of the little fun scientific uh, little numbers here are that these Japanese researchers took 420 people and they spread them out through 35 different forests. And they tested a stress hormone called cortisol in their mouth, salivary cortisol it's called, and they noticed a 50% reduction in stress hormone levels after sitting in the forest. And they go on to talk about all these other different numbers that don't really matter uh, to the audience, but another number that does matter is that their immune system was boosted 23% even after a month of returning back to the city. Wow. So, So literally, once a month, you should be getting your butt outside into the forest or whatever type of natural environment you have and spending some time out there once a month just for preventative health measures. I mean, this is one of the most profound things that, that I've come across. That's amazing research. And for the people who don't have a forest handy, I mean, can can it make a difference if they just get outside? Yeah. So, I mean, you can also use essential oils. I found another study that talked about some, once again, Japanese researchers, thank you. They took some guys and put them all in a hotel room and used essential oils and they measured the stress hormones and they still got a very significant drop in stress hormones by using these essential oils. So I personally have uh, an organic stash wherever I go. I like to use peppermint, eucalyptus are probably my top two favorites. And you can just smell those. You can put a drop on your fingers and smell it that way. If you have a headache, you can rub it on your temples and alleviate headaches. You can rub it on your stomach for if you're having uh, digestive distress. So, I mean, these are powerful tools that you can take anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at. Okay. Talk to me about grounding. Is that a real thing? I you know you talk about the importance of getting outside and, and I know that the paleo community talks about grounding and talks about getting outside, get your shoes off the way your ancestors did. Is that a real thing, Evan, or is that just another trendy catch-all? That's completely real. I interviewed a guy named Martin Zucker and he co-authored a book called Grounding or maybe it was earthing actually, the most important health discovery ever with a question mark. And they go in to talk about some of the anti-inflammatory effects and there's a lot of charts in that book about how as soon as we switched over to wearing rubber shoes, a lot of our inflammatory diseases and joint issues and things like that went up. Of course, there's other factors at play, but yes, absolutely, the earth puts off a certain energy and puts off negative ions and you need this stuff. This is what you're designed to be around. So it's no coincidence that when you're inside, you can get anxiety and stress. And then when you go outside, you feel better. You're picking up on this. And by putting your bare feet in the dirt, you're taking the next step by connecting yourself directly back to the earth. There is a lot more science coming out now that this topic's, you know, kind of breaching the mainstream. But for now, just understand that when you go to the beach, 
it doesn't just feel good because the sand feels good in between your toes and you don't have to work and you're chilling out at the beach. No, there's sort of a multifaceted thing happening there. You're grounding yourself. The minerals and the salt water are going to be helping you. Of course, the sunshine's not going to hurt. So, I mean, it's like a three-way sort of trifecta that's really helping you out. So that's just one example. Well, I had a reader ask me about grounding mats. So for those of you who don't know, grounding or earthing is quite simply connecting with the the magnetic force that is the earth. That's not hippie talk. That's scientific fact. Um, and grounding mats, I'm not sure how they work, Evan, but can you tell people what they are and then render your opinion? Yeah, I have I have one just because I got it sent to me for free and I figured I should test it out. This is basically something that you plug into the ground of your plug. So when you look at your wall in the United States, you see your two top power plugs and then your ground at the bottom. Something like your vacuum is going to have that big fat round plug on the bottom. That's your ground. And that generally, I'd say 90% of the time, is going to be working properly to where it's grounded, meaning it's connected to the earth to prevent you from shocking the crap out of yourself when you turn on your vacuum. So um, by kind of using this as your dirt, so to speak, you plug in a prong to the grounding plug into your wall, and it's connected to a mat that's sort of a little thin rubber, almost like a yoga mat with a lot of little, I think it's silver that they use, pieces spread throughout it. And you can put your feet on this. I've actually slept on one before. Uh, I've I've had mixed results. Sometimes I feel like I feel super relaxed after using it, and then sometimes I feel nothing. Uh, it's definitely something that people can try. I mean, you're going to be freezing. I guarantee you're not going to go put your bare feet out in the snow. That'd be nuts. Uh, so a grounding mat would be a second option. All right, cool. I will share that resource as well and and put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, switching gears on you entirely. Let's talk about stress for just a moment. So I know that you have a lot to say on this topic. First of all, what? how do you define stress? Life. <laughs> Does that count? It way counts, right? It's everything. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've written about. I wrote an article called Trash Your Alarm Clock and Start Your Day with Inner Peace and sort of an just a headline to get you to read the article. And then I go to tell you that I prefer you to just switch your ringtone from, I mean, I've had friends that have like nuclear bombs going off as their alarm clock. It's like, dude, are you serious? Do you not understand what this is doing to your nervous system the first second you wake up? Like talk about starting your day in panic. Come on, man. So uh, I've actually encouraged a lot of people and definitely my clients to switch their alarm tone over to, you know, Android and iPhone. These guys have kind of stepped up lately and, and put a lot more peaceful sounds. So that's a great way to start your day uh, a lot more peaceful. Uh, but yeah, stress can be anything and it's not about what's happening, but how you respond to it. I mean, if you're someone who has to deal with a bunch of traffic and people that you don't like, well, if you can't change that, then change the way you respond to it. You can just let the guy cut you off. You don't have to flick him off and say F you and whatever. That's you responding in a negative way to the stressor. You can't change the fact that he cut you off, but you can just let him go and just let him go, literally. And that's a huge mindset shift that I've done over the past few years. And I'm still kind of, uh, I guess, can I use the word training my wife to uh, to not respond in the way that she does because she'll get road rage. I'm like, babe, you got to chill out. That's not even worth it. Let that guy go. He's fine. He's going to take the turn. You'll never see him again. No big deal. And 
that's super helpful, not only for that example, but just anything that pops up in life. I think it's easy for us sometimes to be oblivious to how much those little stressors throughout the day, and I say little because they're momentary, but they're, they actually add up to have a huge impact on our overall well-being. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so it's sort of like a barrel or I kind of use the rain barrel analogy. I mean, if you have a little bit of water in your barrel of stress, you're not going to, you're not going to die of dehydration, right? A little bit of stress is good. That means you're alive, you're human, whatever, but the traffic builds up the dietary stress of skipping a meal builds up the overtraining builds up. Uh, the harboring negative emotions builds up and then boom, now you're a wreck. Now you're having panic attacks. You're completely overwhelmed. You can't face life. You're scared to go to the grocery store. And I'm all about trying to prevent that from building up. And you really just have to incorporate a couple daily measures to maintain that barrel. You can't just wait until your thermometer is maxed out. Oh, now I'm going to go take a vacation. No, it's like, you don't, you shouldn't need to escape you should have a lifestyle built to basically nourish yourself on a daily basis. Every day should have some sort of mini vacation element to it. Well, I come from a family of hotheads, Evan, and it's taken me years to manage that trigger in me, especially the traffic tri trigger. So I'm still working on that one. But in all honesty, it really makes an impact when you can start reframing your those stressors and reframing those incidents sort of throughout the day. How do you help people reframe the stressors that they or that they encounter? Yeah, well, I mean, like I mentioned, essential oils are a pretty helpful part for me because a lot of people have trouble and it's too much work. It's too overwhelming to think about reframing stress. They're like, oh, shut up, Evan. So I'll just say, okay, here's the deal. Keep some peppermint or eucalyptus essential oil in your purse, okay? Or even lavender. Lavender is a good choice too, okay? You're driving, a stressor pops up, you're in traffic, you're freaking out, pull out the essential oil and sniff it. And that's it. And that's enough to where I've had people email me back and say, oh my God, Evan, I was almost going to have a panic attack in traffic. I was stuck on the 405 and I remembered what you said. I pulled out my bottle of essential oil. I sniffed it and it took me from a 10 to a 5. That little win is enough to convince people to take this stuff seriously. Okay, that blows my mind. And what do you say to the guy right now who's working out, listening to this podcast and rolling his eyes at the idea of pulling lavender out of his purse? What do you say to that guy? Well, I'll just tell him that uh, kind of like, I remember I had a shirt when I was a kid or a teenager said like real men wear pink or something. Men have been conditioned by, well, in my opinion, I would say men are being feminized by society at this point. But up until most recent times, men have been taught to be tough guys and all that. You're a human being, okay? Yeah, you're a guy, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You're a human too. You have same, the same biochemical reactions in your body. You respond to stress with the same exact hormones that a woman does. So by using the same ingredients and plant extracts to reduce these stress hormones, I mean, it's no question that you need it and you're going to, you're going to react the same way. So, um, really just kind of getting rid of the ego. I have to do a lot of ego crushing in my practice and, uh, it's super helpful. And I think everybody should have their ego crushed at some point. Love it. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. Couple more questions as we run up on time. If you are going to recommend Evan one habit for everyone out there to try for just one week, what would that habit be? 
Yeah, that would be to go for a walk every single day, 10 or 15 minutes. That's it. Even if it's three degrees in Iowa, like it is today, just buckle up, bundle up, and I guess you wouldn't buckle up because you wouldn't be driving. You'll be walking. (laughs) Bundle up and go out there and just spend some time outdoors. It's going to make you a more resilient person. You're not designed to live in a box all the time. You're meant to be outdoors. Humans have made it for hundreds of thousands of years without boxes, okay? So get out of your box and enjoy yourself and see if you don't feel better. I'm personally going to take a walk after we get off this call. And I've done a lot to realize that the simple things in life, like a 10-minute walk, can do more for your sanity than any drug or supplement or exercise can ever do. Good stuff. Okay. What's one resource that works for you or that you like to direct people to in their path to living better? Okay. Here it is. It is a band called Kolohe Kai. And I'm going to spell that out for you. Check it out. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's K-O-L-O-H-E, Kolohe Kai, K-A-I. And it sounds Hawaiian because it is. And they're a very awesome group. They're one of my favorite, quote unquote, resources because they make you feel really good. Music therapy is actually being used in Alzheimer's patients and things like that these days. The uh, brain chemicals that you can boost yourself up with by listening to some Hawaiian music. That's a great resource. That's a better resource than any book I can recommend today. Okay, say the name one more time. Kolohe Kai. Okay, Kolohe Kai. When you said that you had a band, I thought you were going to talk to me about like a Fitbit. (laughs) I love this. This is so different than anything anyone's ever recommended. And I love the connection. So we can put on our Hawaiian music and go for our 10 to 15 minute walk. That would be yeah, that would be great. I love it. Evan, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Ellie. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Not just paleo.com is my website. You'll see some blog articles there, but more importantly, if you've made it this far, then you probably enjoy podcasts. Check out my podcast. It's uh, in fitness and nutrition section as well. Same thing, not just paleo. You'll find all sorts of random topics, anything from stress to sleep to, you know, the amount of plastic bottles that are in the ocean and are killing the whales and what you can do to fix it. But that's just sort of one of the many avenues I talk about. Evan, it's been a blast. You rock. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ella. Okay, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. If you like the show, here are two ways you can pay it forward. Tell a friend, help spread the word, and leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher, whichever one you use. That helps the show enormously get traction, and our goal is to spread the word. So if this show spoke to you in any way or it made you think of somebody who could get something out of it, share this with them. And if you want to send me feedback, you can do that directly. Here's how this works. Go to onairwithella.com, find the page that's called Connect, and send me an email. You can tell me anything you want to hear about, ways you think we can improve the show, or just what's on your mind. So I want to hear from you. If you have constructive feedback, tell me directly. If you love the show, share it with somebody and tell iTunes and or Stitcher. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply...